I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. I'm Joe Tower, and you're listening to Tales of Male Folly, a storytelling podcast based on the Los Angeles live show of the same name. The live show features a lineup of four performers, all male, telling true stories that put the embarrassment and shame back into being a man. Each episode of this podcast will feature one new story by one new storyteller, recorded live at one of our past shows, and presented to you here and now, as is. I promise what you're about to hear is totally unedited and unfucked with. If you're ever in the L.A. area, you should check out our website, talesofmalefolly.com, for more info, as well as upcoming event dates and times. You can also find us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. You can't find us on Twitter because, well, fuck Twitter. All right, enough small talk. Let's get on with the folly. If you listen to our podcast or come to one of our shows, you know that most of the tales of male folly you hear are funny. But we're a storytelling program, and it's never been our mission to be a comedy show. But every once in a while, we get a story and a storyteller willing to take the leap and tackle the tale about shame or embarrassment or the male gender that ain't exactly a gut buster. It takes a special kind of performer to be able to do this with any kind of comedic chop. And at our March 2017 show, stand-up comic Josh Mattingly did just that. This is why this show is so multifaceted, because dudes like Josh risk the heart for the sake of the story. So sit back and listen to this heavy tale that still manages to embrace all the trappings of male folly. Uh, give it up for the Virgil for hosting this shindig. This is an amazing show. Uh, give it up for Ornate Drapery. Uh, I'm going to do this with my hat. I think it'll help the story just a bit. Uh, you might be able to tell by looking at me right now that I uh, might not have been raised by a woman. Uh, I was not, and we laugh about it, and that's fine. Uh, I asked you to. Uh, my mother left my family when I was five years old. I know. I do that to myself once a day. Ah, <laughs> oh, and then read my affirmations and go to work. Uh, <laughs> my father, uh, single dad, had me when he was 23 years old uh, and raised me and my younger brother, uh, who was three years my junior, uh, from the time I was five and he was two. Crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I was raised without a mother figure in my life. Uh, I guess I attached myself to uh, my friend's moms, uh, who baked cookies, typically, because, like, that's what I thought a mom was. Uh, so, yeah, uh, growing up, it was interesting. You know, you, the term boys will be boys, uh, nowadays, a uh, little tainted, I think, because, I mean, we laugh, but, like, some people think boys will be boys means like being terrible to women. That's not the case. Uh, when you're raised by a man and uh, nobody else, and it's just you and your brother, three boys in a house, 
Boys will be boys is like, you're just fucking boys. You don't know any better, especially at five years old and two years old. Uh, to the point where my dad got a uh, vanity license plate that said, yay, boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why he didn't understand how gay that was at the time. Like, yay, boys. <laughs> and he's a construction worker, so he'd pull up to people's homes to, like, do estimates. Just back in this fucking big Ford van. And also, I'm from Michigan as well. So, like, very conservative and just like, well, I don't know if I want this man in my home with his lifestyle. Uh, but it was because he had, he had two boys. Uh, I have these cue cards uh, mostly because I'm trying out my late night material. Uh, no, uh, to keep me on track. So, uh, did not have a mother. Uh, you know, boys will be boys. For us, it was like we would... Boys are, like, fucking destructive, man, you know? Me and my brother, like, would just fight for no reason, and it was fine. And my dad, you know, uh, I don't know if this is a detriment or not. Like, he taught us how to fight, how to defend ourselves. Uh, also would punish us when we, like, used those skills. Like, come on, Dad. You taught me how to punch my brother in the face. Don't put me on timeout for that. It's ridiculous. Uh, but mostly it was, beca- you know, like, he, he became my, 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 my best friend, my, my everything. He was like, I helped raise the kid. We were latchkey kids because my dad had to go to work and I had to walk my brother home and kind of take care of this little piece of shit. Uh, so, you know, uh, the, the whole term of like boys will be boys, uh, man up, being a man, you know, that idea of like you have to be a man and that, that means something was kind of like a, a situation in our home. That's how we were raised. Uh, for me personally, this is my own personal belief. I think every man should be a man. Uh, I think every man should know how to change a tire. I think every guy should know how to at least like know what the idea of defending himself is. Uh, and every guy should know how to fucking eat a pussy until she has a toe curling orgasm and doesn't speak English after you're done. Am I right? Again, that's just how I feel. But I feel like that's a trait, that, uh, a skill that a man should know. Can we bring that guitar back up? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, thank you. So together, uh, my brother and I were, we were rambunctious. We were a rambunctious duo. Uh, I would walk him home from school. I kind of taught him everything that I knew, which I was just absorbing from other boys in my school, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, but it, it was great. It was that, like, well, boys will be boys. Nowadays, it sucks because, like, the things we've heard on, on, in BuzzFeed articles about the comedy community, which is awful. Uh, but and not, I'm not just like throwing that away. It, it's seriously fucking awful. Uh, treat women with respect 100% all the time. But for us, it was like, you know, uh, fucking shooting BB guns at the middle school windows when school was out because that was fun. Uh, it was, I don't know, throwing our actual own poop off of our balcony at our neighbor's backyard <laughs> because we didn't like our neighbor. Uh, it was uh, just really hosing down our next door neighbor's rose bushes because he loved him so much and he was the kind of guy who would smoke cigars on his porch and tell kids to get off his lawn. Go fuck yourself, Mr. Rosen. Uh, I'm not bitter. 27 years later. Uh, you know, or like uh, we would build blanket forts in the, in the living room and watch Land Before Time and pretend that we were cavemen. You know, that kind of stuff. Boys will be boys. At one point, my little brother became kind of a problem child. There are many reasons that we can speculate that he became this way. 
whether he didn't have a mother figure in his life, whether or not my dad was too hard on both of us, who knows? But he just became that way. We moved to a new school when I was in seventh grade, which he was in, what, fourth grade at that point in time. Uh, I, we, we both got bullied, but like together we would fight kids. I don't know why that to me, I'm like so proud of that. Like if he got bullied, I would jump in and fuck that older brother up and then watch my little brother fuck that kid up and be like, what's up? Mattingly's in the house. Don't fuck with us. 4517 Chandy Drive, what's up? Rural suburb. Uh, I mean, that's such a ridiculous logic, but that's how you were when you were a kid. Uh, you know, but at one point my brother became a bully. And that was weird to watch because, like, we were generally bullied together. And, like, that upset me. So then I, as, like, being a man, had to teach him a lesson. I would then bully him. I, I, at one point, I, uh, our, the, his school was at the end of our street. And I got home before he did. And so at one point, I heard a kid screaming. And then I looked out the window. And my brother had a kid pinned on the ground and was, like, punching him in the face. So I opened the door and I ran down the street and I grabbed my little brother by the back of his shirt like a father would and I just picked him up and like humiliated him in front of a bunch of people and brought him home and bullied him. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because like that's not how you teach somebody not to bully by then also being the bully. But that's what I did and fuck you. Uh, I was fine. Uh, I'm sorry, not fuck you. Brent, the guitar, please. Uh, <laughs> So that's what happened. Uh, my dad didn't really know what to do. Single father, worked a lot. I love my dad to death. I have a dad tattoo on my arm. He's my hero. I don't, he had me when he was 23 years old. I'm 33. I have no kids, not even a prospect of a wife. I don't understand. Like, how did he do that? It's incredible to me. So, like, I give the guy so much credit for dealing with the two of us. And, and he does respect me and gives me credit for helping raise my little brother. But, like, what, what do you do when, you're, when your youngest becomes this crazy, just angry ball of hormones? You don't know. I don't know. Anybody out there 23 with the fucking, or at this point, whatever, 31 with an 8-year-old? I don't know. Uh, math, whatever. Uh, <laughs> So he, my dad would be very hard on him. And then my brother would check out and wouldn't open up to my father because why would he? This is a, an authoritarian now. And I'm still his friend, albeit a friend who beat him up from time to time, a friend he still respected and knew that I would come to his aid. Um, so it was a weird kind of dichotomy between the three of us. Uh, over time my brother became more and more of a problem child. Um, in high school, he developed alcoholism, like, a, like too much alcoholism. <laughs> like like in, in like freshman year, when you're 14 years old, he was hiding booze bottles throughout our house, like in the laundry room, in the basement, uh, in his bedroom, in my dad's uh, toilet basin because like hide it in plain sight where like my own father takes a shit every morning uh, in front of a bottle of pop-off vodka and had no clue. Crazy. But that's how bad it got. To the point where like my dad would have to call me if I was out with my friends and ask me to come home and, and, and reel in my brother. Uh, I was the only one that he would listen to, which is nuts. But I appreciated that. I liked that. And I would always talk sense at him and always, always man up, be a man, don't be a bitch, don't be a pussy. Also things, why do we say that? 
this is how a lot of men are raised, especially in conservative Midwest America, like me. When I was 23 years old, I moved to Phoenix. At 26, I moved to Los Angeles, and my little brother became, uh, at the time, and I won't go into this story, he had just uh, overcame uh, testicular cancer. Uh, so he wanted to be a radiation therapist because like those people treated him very well and he thought that that would be a great uh, you know, career for him. He met my dad's now best friend, Jack, who runs the Michigan State Cancer Research Center in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and told him, dude, make money, cure something, like be a, be a biochemist. Uh, they're currently working on a cure for Parkinson's, which is fucking incredible. Uh, so my brother did that. And when I was out here, we would joke about who would buy my father a house first. Uh, him, you know, Jack, my dad's friend, makes like 800 grand a year and fucking, I mean, he's an amazing human being. The guy's got just fuck you money, you know? Uh, and so my brother wanted that. And I'm out here going like, dude, I'm doing free shows. <laughs> Maybe one day <laughs> I can also afford a second mortgage. Uh, <laughs> He was way further ahead in terms of buying my father a house, but that was just kind of like our, our you know, brotherly competition. Uh, then alcoholism really fucked my brother. Uh, he was supposed to go to uh, an event with Jack in, uh, uh, what's it called, the, the French, uh, really dirty area of America. What's that place called? Where people go to party and wear beads? Uh, Nolan, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry if you guys are from all, all from New Orleans. Uh, it's, it's awful there. It's just hot and gross. Uh, that's where they were going to go for this like medical thing, and my brother was going to go with him as Jack's like VIP guest. And my brother, we have this thing in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan called Pulaski Days, where all the Polish halls open up their doors to the public, and you can just go in and drink, and it's like four fucking dollars, and you drink everything, you eat everything, and it's incredible, and you're hungover for days. My brother did that the day before he was supposed to go to New Orleans with Jack didn't show up. There's a zero tolerance policy when you're dealing with like curing Parkinson's, so Jack fired my little brother. Uh, wrote my brother a great recommendation so he could go anywhere if he wanted to, but my brother decided he would rather disappear uh, and didn't show up for like two weeks. I'm in LA. My dad asked, my little, uh, asked me if I could find Zach from here. That's kind of hard to do. I finally got a hold of him and, uh, you know, talked some sense into him. Again, man up. What did you do wrong? Be a man. Do the thing. Fess up to what you did and like just own it and move forward. He finally did that. Uh, cut to two weeks later. My dad, uh, being the construction worker he is, gave my brother a chance to live back at my dad's home uh, and work for my father. You can only go up if you've hit rock bottom. And so that's what my brother wanted to do. Uh, I was on set in Los Angeles, 2012, October 30th, shooting something that could have possibly changed my life entirely, and I could have bought my dad a home. Uh, we break, and I go to uh, my green room and look at my phone, and my father's name is on my phone, like, too many times. So I call my dad, and he goes, hey, bud, what are you doing? And I said, I'm on, I'm on set, I'm doing the thing, the pilot, like it's going to be great. And he goes, I can hear just this fucking lump in his throat. And he goes, okay, call me after work. And I go, no, what's going on? And for the first time in my life, I heard my dad just broken. And he said, Zach's dead. 
what do you do? <laughs> I just sat there in my, I just looked at my phone. I, I like stopped and I go, what did you just say? I, I get my sense of humor from my father. So I thought he was like doing a bit. Come on. He's not just seriously though. What's up? And he goes, no, Zach's, Zach's dead. Uh, my brother created what is called a helium hood, which is like a Jack Kevorkian device where you put a turkey bag over your head. Uh, tie it with tape and then put a hose up into it and fill it with helium. It takes about 15 minutes until your body shuts down, your brain shuts off, and you pass away. That's insane. I couldn't finish my shoot. Obviously, I had to go home. My best friend, my little brother, the person that I helped raise, just erased from this world. And... It's been four years now, and there is not literally one second of one day that goes by where I don't think of this kid. It's fucking bananas. Round of applause, who has a little brother? If, if men like me, and I'll use myself as like the fucking scapegoat, as the whipping boy, just stopped for a second and actually listened and didn't project this machismo fucking bullshit onto what a man is supposed to be, maybe I would also have a little brother. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Our live show is produced every other month at the Virgil in Los Angeles by me, Joe Tower, with the help of Brian Weiss and Alex Gradette. It's presented in partnership with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Greater Los Angeles. This podcast is produced by me, Joe Tower, and executive produced and edited by Brian Weiss. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, and also for subscription on SoundCloud, along with a bunch of other great podcast content as part of the Extra Credit Network. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe and rate us. Or if you hated what you heard here and want us to fuck off, leave us a review and tell us what we can do better. If you'd like to contact us, or if you have a story to tell in spoken or written form, you can email us at talesofmalefolly at gmail.com. Oh, and one last time, you can find us online at www.talesofmalefolly.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.